2: Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you.
3: And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Folks, welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, This show is being heard on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Uh, We're always delighted when you tune in with us. Uh, Alan Dempsey, once again, uh, riding the engineering duties here. And uh, Andrew Liska produces the show each weekend. Uh, Rick Johnson uh, in Portland, Oregon. He is the founder of Better Dads. He's our guest in the first half hour. And there's a reason for that. His new book is out. Ten Things Great Dads Do, and we're going to be discussing it with Rick. Rick, I'm so glad you can join us. Uh, Congrats on your new book.
4: Thanks, Pat. It's a pleasure. Nice talking to you again.
3: Well, um, you write them, and then we hook up here and talk about them. So why was this book important to write? Strategies for Raising Great Kids. Yeah,
4: well, you know, for the past 10 or 12 years, I've traveled around the country speaking at many, many men's conferences on topics like fathering and masculinity. And, you know, the men that I've noticed over the years that I've talked to are, are generally pretty good dads. I think if they're if they're there, they're interested in getting more information. Um, probably a lot of them don't give themselves enough credit for being a good dad. And um, I think all of them that I've come across want to be great dads. One of the things I've observed though, over the past decade or so is that There's always a few guys that I run across that are what I would consider to be great dads, Mm. Um, maybe just a a cut above the average uh, father. And I really, you know, because the subject that I'm so involved in, I really kind of paid attention and tried to get to know some of these guys and and really um, find out what it was that they were doing maybe that set them above some of the other dads. And um, so this is kind of a compilation of some of the things that I – that i learned that i came across i I spent some time interviewing some of these uh dads that i thought were were exceptional and um these are kind of the the things that most of them felt were important as far as being a father
3: well let's get started there are uh 10 interesting topics that we're going to dive into rick first one have fun the importance of humor and play
4: yeah, one of the things that that all of these, I guess you would consider great dads, um, really felt was important was the amount of laughter and humor. In fact, one of the dads said that he gauges the uh, health of his family by the amount of laughter that he hears. And I thought, wow, what a great way to to you know gauge the the health and the wealth of your family. Um, you know, the 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 opposite of depression, Pat, is not happiness. The opposite of depression is vitality. Mm-hmm. And vitality is defined as a healthy life force, and a key component of developing vitality is humor. Surveys show that of children show that the number one thing they appreciate most about dad is his sense of humor. And so, you know, I think for dads that want to um, instill this in their families, they, they need to understand w- what values are important. Um, I think laughter is underrated. Laughter opens up ways for conversation, and it gets people to let their guards down. Um, you know, in fact, probably a lot of us guys, our wife was originally attracted to us because we made her laugh. And so, you know, you can even get sullen teens to open up and share something by by getting them to laugh and seeing how their attitude changes. So, you know, I think, I think laughter and, and humor is very important in, in raising healthy and happy families.
3: Here is the second item that you get into. Go outside your comfort zone, but it's uncomfortable out here.
4: Yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of us guys, because we don't want to appear incompetent or inadequate or or that we fail at something, we tend to not want to go outside our comfort zone. The challenge with that is that if we always have our kids do what we want to do and what we feel comfortable doing, we miss out on a lot of insight and understanding of uh, the world that our kids live in. And so I think for dads that want to be better dads to go outside our comfort zones, maybe go into where our kids are comfortable, some of the things that they like to do, really helps open up some new opportunities to be able to bond with them. So especially for males, we know that we bond more through doing things together than we do through verbally communicating and and so finding activities maybe that neither us or our kids are comfortable doing necessarily or have done before really allows us an opportunity to um, bond more deeply and closer with them than than we might if we were just doing only things that we're comfortable with
3: now let's talk about this topic surround yourself with healthy friends and couples it matters you tell us
4: yeah, you know, um, our culture that we live in today is, 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 <laughs> is a very tough culture and, on both kids and on families. And um, I think most men today are, are lonely. Um, I think as a married couple that we have to surround ourselves with the, the right kind of people, with other married couples, family members, and friends that will encourage us hold us accountable, care about us and our family. Um, And, of course, as men, I think we struggle a lot of times making friends. Um, But especially as a dad, I think the greatest thing that I ever found, and by the way, Pat, I I don't consider myself one of the great dads (laughs) in this book, but one of the things that um, I found that helped me the most was having a group of men that I could meet with uh, other dads, maybe they'd been through some of the things that my kids were going to go through. They had advice that I could take, um, maybe even advice I wouldn't have received very well from my wife, particularly if I was out of line or, or wrong about something. And um, But having those men in my life that I respected that could speak into my life and tell me the things that I needed to hear were were very instrumental in me becoming a better father.
3: Mm. Now we get to this topic. Communicate with your children. Someone is going to influence them.
4: Yeah, I think one of the things as men that we don't understand is the importance of words. And um, as a father, our words can be pretty heavy. Um, there's many men that I talk to around the country when I talk to them that are still carrying around words that their father spoke to them. Mm-hmm and trying to overcome them. And um, the challenge is, is, I think as men, a lot of times we don't really think about what we say before we say it. For instance, when we get upset about something, we tend to just blow off steam. Um, and we get over it, you know, our friends don't really pay attention to what we say when we're upset. and, and But the problem is, is our wife and children think a lot about what we say. That Our words to them mean a lot. And they have great power over our children. One of the chief predictors of a young person's success is, is their perception of their parents' image of them. And so I think as a dad, you know, it's it's incumbent upon us to speak encouragement, build up our children, and empower them for life, because our, our negative words tend to cripple the souls of our children.
3: My guest is Rick Johnson. Uh, his book is called Ten Things Great Dads Do, Strategies for Raising Great Kids. Number Five, Rick, develop your brand. When everyone knows your name, I'm curious about this one. What's all that mean?
4: Yeah, I was kind of surprised about this, Pat. this um, I thought this was kind of interesting and and i'm I'm not sure that this was always intentional, but a lot of these men uh, had had kind of developed their brand. So, for instance, you know, corporations spend giant amounts of money trying to develop logos and, and brands. Uh, some of them you don't even have to think about. You know, you don't even have to do a word. It's just a logo, like Apple's logo or the Coca-Cola symbol, those things. McDonald's arches, you know, those are pretty famous. But each of us, as 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 fathers, as men, and e- even our families, has a brand associated with it. In other words, when people think of us or think of our families, they, they, they instantly have a certain assumption of what that family is like or what we're like as men, as fathers. And so I think we have to be intentional about what that looks like. One of the things that... Um, developing brands uh, with their families... So for instance, with my family, um, when my kids were growing up, we, we kind of... We, and we weren't real intentional about this because I wasn't aware of it, but one of the things that we always talked about was things like, um, you know, Johnson's don't lie and they don't steal. and.
3: Our guest is Rick Johnson. We're going to continue with Rick, so stay with us. Founder of Better Dads. Uh, This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat
2: Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
5: Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it.
2: Thinking about a career change? How about your dream job on the staff at a local church? At churchstaffing.com, you can find your true calling and a new career with meaning. Churchstaffing.com has listings for hundreds of jobs in churches all across the country. For pastors and worship leaders, secretaries, accountants, facilities and maintenance, graphic designers, IT specialists, and much more. Best of all, it's free. Find the ideal job for you at the perfect place. Visit churchstaffing.com. That's churchstaffing.com.
5: Hi, this is Dr. Ahmad from the Salt Room Wellness Center at Millennia, inviting you to my brand-new program, Healthy Positive Living. Now Saturday afternoon at 4, every week we discuss an important topic that will
2: pertain to your health concerns from an integrative point of view. And this isn't another stale health show. It's informative, exciting, and we'll have some fun along the way.
1: We'll see you here for your healthy, positive living. Now it is brand new time, Saturday morning at 8 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
4: Treasures
0: and pages of scoundrels and sages get lost in a story of heartache to glory. Browse and discover, cover to cover. Worlds of excitement, hours of delight. Just bring your curious mind and see what you'll find. Bright, light books, discover your story.
2: You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
3: Rick Johnson is the author of... Ten Things Great Dads Do. Rick is in Portland, Oregon, and we're delighted he is uh, with us. Rick, I want us to go back before the break and just finish your thoughts on this whole topic of developing your brand.
4: Yeah, and I I think, you know, one of the things these dads do is is kind of trademark themselves, their families. You know, people want to belong to something, and, and I think our children are no different. They want to be associated with something honorable and bigger than themselves, something that other people admire. And and one of the best ways that we can do that uh, with our family is to develop, um, you know, this healthy image of who we are and what we look like. And um, I think one of the things that's important with that is that um, as a family we do things together, whether that's and – we, and we find some things, I think, that we can um, – I don't know of a better way of putting this but maybe do battle against so for instance to find some things that as a family we want to be involved in whether that's you know helping out at a soup kitchen or you know working with the homeless or building houses for people that don't have places to live whatever that is that is a family we can do together to bring us closer together and I th- I think that's important as a as a family to develop what it is we mean what we stand for
3: Let's go to the sixth topic, Rick. It's called A Man's Spirituality, Finding Yours So You Can Teach Children Theirs.
4: Yeah, you know, Pat, I think um, a lot of men struggle with their their faith. Um, I'm not sure that a lot of men have actually sat down and figured out exactly what they believe in. And, and the problem with that is, you know, we're going to pass along our belief system to our kids whether we know what it is or not. And um, a, a lot of people tell me, talk to me about, well, how do I, how do we raise kids that are, you know, Christian kids that, that believe in our value system? And I think that starts with understanding exactly what our value system is, what it is we believe in, what kind of faith that we have. And um, I think when we don't, you know, as dads, we're kind of the... Um, I guess, the priest of the home, if you will, whether we want that role or not, um, our influence on our kids is huge. And if we don't understand what our faith is and what that looks like and the challenges that we have in that faith, it's really hard to pass that, to transmit that on to our children, if you will.
3: Rick, now I want you to discuss with us your child's spirituality, helping your children find their way.
4: Well, all, all children are born, you know, with, with a body, soul, and spirit, and, and they instinctively believe in things that they can't see, which is one of the challenges of being a person of faith. Faith requires us to believe in things that we can't see, touch, or prove. And um, fathers, again, are really important in how children develop their spirituality, Um Sometimes just through our presence. So take for an example a woman that's poor, young, and single who finds herself pregnant. She might terminate that pregnancy if the father's absent or doesn't want the child, but the same woman in the same situation will likely have the baby if the child's father says, I love you, I love the child, and want to raise it together. And so we actually have the power of life and death over his unborn child in that situation. And we know from a a bunch of research that a father's presence in the home is, is life giving to his kids on a lot of levels. So, you know, there's been some huge studies that have shown, uh, as far as transmitting the faith, that fathers are hugely important, um, particularly in combination with the mother, but just as men alone are hugely important. And I think one of the things that we have to do in order to do that healthily, is, again, is to, to heal our own wounds, spiritual wounds, find our kids' way, if you will, and nurture it, and then, you know, give our children the, the greatest gift, which is to um, pray with them and, and uh, help them to understand and, and develop their walk through life.
3: Let's get into this one, teaching character, allowing your children to suffer. Interesting, huh? <laughs>
4: yeah, that, that's probably—well, um... <clears throat> Pat, especially for people like me that were raised in an abusive home, The the very thought of allowing our children to suffer, I I think, is a bit repugnant, Um, and it's certainly a challenge. But, you know, we know that um, we develop character by suffering. I mean, we really do. And so the challenge with teaching our kids character, which is fundamental to developing a good human being, is to... Try and figure out how to allow them to suffer enough to develop character without traumatizing them. And I think one of the one of the ways that we do this is through allowing them to be held accountable for their consequences the consequences of their choices and decisions. Um,
3: our guest is Rick Johnson, the book Ten Things Great Dads Do. Next topic, Rick, children members of the family, not the center of the universe.
4: Yeah, well, and and I think some, some parents today um, do treat their kids like they're the center of the universe. And, um, you know, I think the goal is to develop healthy self-esteem but not entitlement. You know, kids are overwhelmed by all the choices that they have today, and um, I think Because of that, they need firm but loving discipline and guidelines, and you know fathers are kind of the in the position of authority in the home, whether they choose to be or not, and um, they need to. We we need to. We need to use that effectively in order to be able to raise healthy children. Our our kids' self worth -worth shouldn't be a burden to others, Um, and. Children that hold a place of utmost importance in the family are burdened to their parents and everyone else that they come in contact with. So, you know, I think um, I think we have to understand that um, while while children are important, especially in a, in a family, um, things like your marriage are are really much more important than than your children. You're going to be married for a lot longer than you have kids, and. Um, you know, when we have a healthy marriage, we have, we tend to have healthy children too.
3: And then we get to this topic: not in my house, Dad, the gatekeeper of the home.
4: Yeah, you know, um, Matthew twelve twenty nine and, and Mark three twenty seven both say something very similar. They say, "How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house." And I think that can be related directly to our children as well. You know, most dads I know wouldn't um, wouldn't have a problem with physically defending their children, but they turn around to allow other, other invaders, which are as bad or worse, uh, to come to their home and influence their children in very negative ways. So, for instance, I, I know a lot of parents that are very uncomfortable, especially as their kids get older, in... Um, trying to influence or interfere at all with what type of friends that they have. But, you know, here's the, here's the challenge. We, we would not uh, allow our kids to hang out with pimps and pushers and, and people like that. But, you know, there's, there's some kids that are going to school with your children, especially as they get to be teenagers, who are probably apprenticing for those jobs right now. And so I think it's really important for parents, for dads, to get to know the kids that they're Children are friends with to get to know the parents of those uh, children. You know, there's the there's the old um, adage of show me your friends and I'll show you the future. And um, I think it's very incumbent upon fathers to uh, do things like monitor the amount of media. We're we're really finding out through studies a lot of the damage that um, different types of media are doing because and just exactly how much time kids are spent on things like computers and and televisions and. And uh, social media applications and things like that. Um, you know, I, I think as dads, we we need to protect our children from a lot of those influence, negative influences that are coming into their life through those venues.
3: And then you do a wrap up at the at the end of the book. Uh, what do you say in that wrap up, Rick?
4: Well, the wrap up I talk about the ancient Jewish tradition that talks about the um, the hidden righteous ones. Um, and in Mystical Judaism, um, as well as other segments of Judaism, they talk about in every generation there exists 36 just and righteous people whose role in life is to justify the purpose of humankind in the eyes of God. And, um, and for the sake of these 36 saints, God preserves the world even if the rest of humanity is degenerated to the level of total bar- barbarism. And um, this tradition says that the world is prevented from being submerged in its in its wickedness by the presence in each generation of the small number of just men who through their conduct and good deeds ensure the safety and survival of the people of the world. They're hidden. They operate inconspicuously. Nobody knows who they are. They're unknown to each other. And um, some believe they themselves don't even know who they are. Uh, And I'm not sure that good dads, great dads aren't one of the 36 that... um, that God looks to to, to, to save the world. Um, certainly a father's influence on children, his children, his grandchildren, generations of people, people that he'll never meet, people that he'll never know, um, are being influenced by the things that he does or doesn't do today by the things he says or doesn't say today, and I think as dads, we need to understand that responsibility and we need to use it responsibly.
3: Rick, what do you say to a dad listening in here or or who has read your book and they really are moved and they want to make a difference and they want to get moving here? Uh, what do you tell them? What do you, what, What's the first step?
4: Well, the first thing I would tell them is that it's never too late. I think a lot of us think there's been so much water under the bridge and we've made so many mistakes. But the truth of the matter is, and I see this over and over again, Pat, is it doesn't matter how young we are, how old we are, how many mistakes we've made, Um, it's never too late. Our our kids have been born, have been created by God with this desire to love and respect their father, and um, we just need to to do things that um, allow that to be able to come to fruition. The second thing is I would say that we have to heal our wounds from, from childhood, whatever those might look like. It's hard not to pass those things along if we don't know what they are and if we don't heal from them. And unfortunately, we see that in generation after generation. We see these cycles get passed down from one generation to the next, and it's because people aren't aware of what's taking place. We see great changes take place in people's lives through being educated and then being through mentored. So I think it's really important for men and fathers to have other men to speak into their lives, healthy men, not men that are as wounded as they are, to speak into their lives to help them to become the kind of men that they want to be. Those are the things that I tell dads that are important to start with.
3: Rick, you mentioned that you came from a, an abusive home. Um, are you comfortable talking about that or not? Sure. No, absolutely. F- fill us in. Well,
4: I, I was raised in an alcoholic home. I had an alcoholic mother and an alcoholic stepmother, a lot of uh, mm. physical, emotional, psychological abuse. Um, kind of went through the same, again, generational cycles passed down, went through some of that stuff. Um after having uh, children, decided, you know, that wasn't something I wanted to pass down and and, uh, came through, uh, kind of stopped all those behaviors, threw myself into society's legal narcotics of work, started a business was fairly successful and and got to be uh, 39, 40 years old and had what the world considers should make you happy. And the truth is I was... Hugely unhappy, and even to the point of contemplating taking my own life, and mm. and um, didn't have any friends then. So I kind of started looking throughout history at um, great men that I admired to see what they had, and and I came only common denominator I could find with all these great men is they were all Christians, which was a huge blow to my worldview because I was raised in a home that said Christians were hypocrites and and religion was a crutch for weak people, right? And so I studied the gospel for a year in an attempt to disprove it and, and found that I couldn't and, and then accepted Christ in my life at age 40, and um, that kind of changed everything at that point. And, um, yeah, it's been a great adventure ever since.
3: Well, a million thanks, Rick. Great to talk to you, and congrats on the book. Thanks, Pat. God bless you. Rick Johnson, our guest, the book Ten Things Great Dads Do. It's in bookstores now and up on Amazon.com. Uh, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. I want you to stay with us because we've got more right after this. More
2: of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
6: I spend my days helping others. It's rewarding, just not always financially. So I got TIAA-CREF. They were founded to help people like me meet our financial goals. They've got so many industry accolades, it's unreal. I like taking care of people. Sometimes that even includes myself. Intelligent investing for the long term. Just what you'd expect from a company that's created to serve and built to perform. Visit TIAA.org. TIAA-CREF Individual and Institutional Services, LLC. This testimonial is an act of portrayal. Investing involves risk. Individual results will vary.
5: Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are, why do we have trials, and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it.
1: Due to an upturn in the economy, Main Street Business Loans has pre-approved the release of millions of dollars in small business funding. Your business may already be pre-approved to receive up to $250,000. We've sent out millions of pre-approval letters. We see the economy growing, and our underwriters believe now is the time to invest in your business so you can grow faster and make more money. And we're prepared to give you up to $250,000 to do it. Your funds can be available in five days. There are no application fees, no annual fees, just quick access to up to $250,000. If your business did not receive your approval letter to get up to $250,000, call Main Street Business Loans Approval Desk now. 800-870-0459. 800-870-0459. 800-870-0459. 800-870-0459.
2: 93% of all abortions occur simply as a matter of convenience. When women in crisis see the baby and hear the heartbeat, most choose life. It's time to save the babies. Ultrasound for women in crisis. Save the babies with the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
0: Donate now at WTLN.com.
2: You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's
3: Pat. Our guest in that first half hour was Rick Johnson from Portland, Oregon. Uh, His book, Ten Things Great Dads Do. Uh, We stay out west. Uh, We're heading to Colorado Springs, and we've caught up with Kristen Strong. Uh, We're going to talk about her new book with Revell Publishers, Girl Meets Change, Truths to Carry You Through Life's Transitions. Kristen, great to talk to you. Thanks for joining me.
6: Oh, thank you the pleasure's mine
3: so what 's this all about what What uh, prompted you to dive into this topic?
6: Well, um, I guess because first of all it 's really a story of my life. Um, mm especially when you contrast my growing up years to my married years. Um, I grew up in um, a wonderfully um, familiar environment surrounded by family. I actually actually grew up on the street name is called O'Neill Lane. My last name is O'Neill, as well as everybody that lived on that lane. (laughs) Their last name was O'Neill, too. So I had a huge uh, wealth of extended family. And just you know, lived in the same house my whole life, and then um, I went to college only about an hour away. I went to Oklahoma State, and there I met and fell in love with an Air Force guy. So therefore, my married life became one where the theme was very much um, change. And and then just after talking with more uh, women and just seeing how um, much of a difficult topic this is, just a difficult life occurrence uh, change can be for some women, just facing it with, with dread and with sweaty palms, I really felt a burdening to write about this topic and, and give women a more hopeful view of change, to see it in a new light, and for the book to just be a safe place for those women to um, meet God's purpose in the midst of their anxiety brought on by change.
3: Ten chapters. Let's dive in and get moving here, Kristen. Okay. Number one, change up close and personal Uh, Have we just covered that, or is there more you want to say about that topic?
6: Yeah, we kind of did just cover that. Um, Yeah, it just definitely gives. The um, just the background of my story, um, other people's stories, as well as stories from scripture, are further in the book. But chapter one, um, up close and personal, is just how I found change. And the the kind of humorous part is how I had um, some scholarships to go to some out of, uh, in particular, one out of state university. I you know ended up turning that down because not only did my family we bleed orange, we are Oklahoma State Cowboy fans, but and so that felt very safe and comfortable. But and but also I just was a little bit scared of having an additional change, leaving home that far away. So I ended up choosing Oklahoma State and so the irony there is is how therefore I met my husband, or my then boyfriend now husband of course, and how he introduced me to a life of change.
3: Let's get to the second topic. The way change moves. I, I think you're doing some teaching here, aren't you? <laughs>
6: Yes, really just um, kind of giving women um, the heads-up that whether change begins first on the outside of your environment or the inside, it's going to move the other direction as well. So, you know, for example, if you um, find out you're expecting a baby, um, that change begins very much on the inside, but eventually it will very much change your outside world in significant ways. And um, by the same token... If your change first begins on the outside, um, and I mentioned the story of a friend in there who um, was served divorce papers kind of out of the blue, that change very much is going to affect you on the inside as well. So that, that pretty much sums up the the second chapter there.
3: Now we move to the third topic, don't just get over it. What, yeah. what, what does that mean? <laughs>
6: Well, I think a lot of us, especially in Western cultures, we have a tendency. If we're met with something difficult, um, certainly we can we, we can kind of go one or two one of two extremes. One extreme is really just sort of sit in it and like never be able to get past the difficulty and just sort of brood on that. But the other, I think, the other tendency we have, and this is certainly my tendency, is to think, okay, this is a hard thing, but there are people dealing with a whole lot worse and in much uh, more dire circumstances around the world. You know this is not going to be on CNN or Fox News, so I need to just pick myself up by my bootstraps and get over it. And so we sort of just hurry past the loss that change brings. And I talk about in the book that isn't the model that Jesus used, uses and God does and certainly God does not expect us to just um, gloss over our feelings. He gives us a safe place to Feel what to feel the sadness and the loss from change and he doesn't he, he gives us all our own time ta- timetable for it. So yes, while we cannot just um, sit in the hardship forever, sit in the uh, kind of um, sit in the lamenting stage forever, there is a, there is a time for that. there is a, a, a time for everything under heaven and there is a time to mourn and there is a time to dance. And so from the transition of one to the other, God is really patient with us.
3: We move now to another section here, uh, Kristen, and uh, it's called "Go Ahead and Give Up."
6: Yes. Um, so yeah, that's sort of we've we've just kind of gone over the acknowledge part of change, and then um, and then part two is sort of accept that God is believable. Okay yeah and basically in that um section we are just really working on the on believing that god says what he what he what he means. And and really, I ask women and any reader of the book to look upon their history. How has God loved them and pr- proven faithful to them in the past, loved them with a, with a loving kindness? And so just sort of getting them thinking about how God has been believable in the past, in the past, and then calling on them to know that as he has been believable in the past, he will be believable in the future and take you through this change to a better place.
3: We're talking with Kristen Strong. Girl meets change. Uh, next topic, accepting limitations. H- how hard is that to do?
6: <laughs> well, I think for, for me it can be hard. <laughs> um, you know, I think sometimes limitations are our Use not to thrive, like we may say, well, I just don't like change, so I'm not going to deal with that this well, and I'm just going to go under my covers and wait for it all to be over. <laughs> or um, goodness, I, I, I don't mention this in the book, but thinking about a story recently where I have one, I have one son who has a limitation in the department of forgetting things, forgetting his chores. So you know, walking the dog or taking out the garbage, he will, he he can forget these things. And so he'll come to me when I finally – when I hold him accountable for for him neglecting his responsibilities, he'll say, well, I just honestly forgot. I didn't do it maliciously. Why are you getting on to me? And so, you know, I think a lot of us view our limitations – when it comes to change, just like my son views his forgetful limitation, we see it as an excuse of for some, as an excuse for not working through something. So I really talk about in this chapter, using your limitations to work for you rather than against you. So um, because, you know, every one of us must learn how to uh, something about thriving through uninvited change and really figuring out how to be the boss of our limitations rather than let the limitations be the boss of us is a real key ingredient to that.
3: How old is your son, by the way?
6: Well, um, this particular son is 16. Actually, both my sons are 16. I have twins Ah. and yeah, twin sons. And then I have a younger daughter who's 12. So this um, this was my one of my one of my sons.
3: Now, is the other twin son uh, better at not forgetting?
6: Yes, he is... very, very much so. It's, you know, my husband, well, we've been until last year in an Air Force family, active duty Air Force family. My husband retired last year after 23 years active duty, and then um, 26 years altogether. He did three years in the reserves. But anyway, one son, it's very funny, they're twins, but they're very different. One son is very regimented, has that military mindset, and the other one's very creative and artsy and very, just a, more of a free spirit. So he's the one that tends to shirk cerc- his responsibilities when they're, you know, know, not as much fun. (laughs) (laughs) He has many other wonderful positive traits, of course, but that is just the reality of his personality.
3: I want you to talk about light in a windowless room. What is that all about?
6: Yes. Well, basically, um, this is um, in this chapter. This is one of my favorite chapters. Um, I really talk about a a story in there involving my daughter Faith. Um, we discovered uh, we discovered about well, it was in 2011, late 2011, that she actually had a broken neck, and this was something that occurred either it was either a, 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 a Something she was born with, but or it was something that happened um, um, in her younger years that caused this broken neck. Um, anyway, so we so the the um, chapter kind of talks about how this. Um, when she was undergoing surgery for this broken neck, how I was um, really struggling with this, but how God really showed me how when there is no, when, when you feel like you're in a dark space and with no windows, if you want to bring light into that space, even if there is no windows, the way we do that is through gratitude and that there is always, always, um, something something to be thankful for. And just like in Thess- First Thessalonians, it says, Pray continually, give thanks for all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We are called to give thanks in all circumstances. And sometimes that has to be before you see the miracle. Sometimes we're, we are called to be thankful before we see the results turning out the way we want them to turn out. And um, so that chapter, Light in a Windowless Room, really um, talks a lot about the powerful, powerful way gratitude has an an, ability to help you be able to handle change in a much more positive way.
3: Uh, The final uh, area that you write about in uh, the second part. Yes. Handing over the hand wringing. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Who are we handing it over to, and what what, what are we doing here?
6: (laughs) Um, Well, basically, um, you know, it's, it's easy for sometimes to know all these good things in our head, but it's hard to then live like we know the good, that we know what we know is true. So this just sort of talks about how to be able to, um, how, how, how to be able to do that more effectively. And I talk about how um, in Ephesians, you know, we have the rundown of the armor of God. And the only offensive tool mentioned is the sword of the Spirit. Well, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So if we want, if we are going through a change that is really making our hands ring, um, whether it's a fear of your daughter or son or daughter going off to college and, you know, them just being out of your daily presence, whether it's... It's um, a divorce you're going through, a job loss. One way to be able to have your heart in a more peaceful place is to really um, have the discipline and the practice of, Reading scripture because because if the sword of our spirit is um, if that's the word of God and we are just kind of keeping that sword in our sheath, so when change when when change comes at us and we are kind of thrown off kilter and we, and our sword is just hanging in our sheath, then it's not doing us much good. If we want to fight the the um, negative feelings, if we want to fight the enemy schemes to kind of do us in, or to make him think he's going to do, or to make us think he's going to do us in, we have to to take our sword out of the sheath and actually use it. So that is the, the practice and the discipline of studying the scripture.
3: Kristen Strong is with us, and uh, she's in Colorado Springs. Her book is called Girl Meets Change. Uh, Ravel is the publisher. Uh, we have now moved to part three. It's called Adapt, A Heart That Thrives. Uh, Kristen, can you give us an overview of the, of part three, and then we'll plow into the three main chapters.
6: There. Sure. Well, this is this is really the, the bring it bring it on home section of the book. And you know, so if we've um we've acknowledged that we have a change and we've acknowledged that that brought a loss and we've taken time to um, process that. And then we have in the second part, um, accepted that God is believable. So this change is in my life because he wants to use it for me and not against me. So the third part, adapt, is really then using what we, again, carrying that journey on from, know, from our head, knowing what we know is true and living like we know it's true, having a heart that thrives in spite of our circumstances.
3: Now, the first chapter here, actually the eighth one overall, because we all need friends in low places. Yes. Uh, Tell us about it. (laughs)
6: <laughs> well, um, I'm a country music fan, so I sort of mm. was doing a bit of a nod there to Garth Brooks, <laughs> and he's from Oklahoma too, which is where I was born and raised. Um, anyway, but basically, this chapter just talks about the um, one key element to be being able to thrive through change and um, being able to handle it in a good way is our community, because our community does so many things for us. And if Jesus needed community, which he did, he he had, or if he had community, and and um, made a space for friends to be near him, then that is something we we certainly need, to.
3: Our guest, ladies and gentlemen, Kristen Strong. Uh, We've got more with Kristen. Uh, Just a reminder, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTL and in Orlando. Uh, Stick around. Uh, We'll be back right after these messages coming your way right now. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour
2: in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
3: This is Dennis
2: McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney, Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
1: If you own a business, You know incorporating can be a smart way to protect yourself and your assets. So the question is, why haven't you incorporated your business yet?
2: My business? It's too small.
1: Wrong. No matter how small your business, you run the risk of losing all your personal assets, your car, your home, even your entire life savings if you're not incorporated.
0: Incorporating is very complicated.
1: Actually, incorporating is easy and fast. You can do it in just 10 minutes. Call now for your free guide from Incorporate.com. 1-800-931-3210. I need a lawyer to incorporate. That's really expensive. You don't need a lawyer, and we don't offer legal or financial advice. Incorporate.com is a service company whose only mission is helping people like you incorporate safely, easily, and quickly. Find out how simple it is to protect your family and personal assets by incorporating. Call now for your free guide. 1-800-931-3210. 1-800-931-3210. That's 1-800-931-3210. Heavy rains,
2: storms, takes a toll on your roof. If it's time to replace your roof, we have a deal for you. Half-Price Roofing.
4: Really? That's incredible.
2: Sure is. Half-Price Roofing. Roofing service and supplies included. Go to AmazingRadioDeals.com right now. No games, no kidding. Um, Amazing. Amazing. Incredible. AmazingRadioDeals.com. Half-Price Roofing. AmazingRadioDeals.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9
3: FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Kristen Strong is our guest, folks. Uh, Her book is called Girl Meets Change, Truths to Carry You Through Life's Transitions. And uh, here we are, Kristen, ready to talk about this one, asking the right questions to become fit for the right purpose. Sounds interesting.
6: Well, um, I'm a big question asker. So when something, so if a change comes my way, then I am going to be inclined to ask why is it's these well my knee jerk questions anyway. Uh, why is this happening to me? Um, for, exa- for example, my husband and I had dealt with some fertility issues um, earlier in our marriage. And um, you know, when you when I couldn't get pregnant, my question was, why is this happening to me? Doesn't God think I would be a good mom? Things like that. And um, if we can then take those questions and turn them to work for us rather than against us, then it really does a lot, goes a long way to help our hearts. To thrive, so instead of asking um, why can't I get pregnant, it would be um, better for me and more truthful to ask what other thing is God have in mind for me right now. Um, if I've um, just lost my job and don't think I'm ever, don't understand why this has happened to me, why did why did I have to lose my job? A better question to be would ask. to to ask would be, what better job does God have for me down the road? So that chapter 9 in the book is really just about, um, you know, really about turning our questions around and um, letting go of our expectations um, in the process.
3: And now I want you to talk about uh, the 10th issue here, settling in the home where your heart thrives.
6: Yes. So this is um, really talking about um, letting your heart be completely at peace, and um, the, the crux of it is, you know, no matter no matter the tilt in the world that change puts us in, in this world, um, we are held together because of Christ. And sometimes um, we need to know that and just lean into the change. And um, I think sometimes, I think this, um, you know, this world, God actually made it tilted. You know, that's how, why we have the seasons. That's why, you know, we have change in many respects. So our, the best way we can often handle change is to just lean into it as well. And um, I think that um, God is working always for our benefit. He is writing a God for Christmas. Story. He's writing a God for Pat story. He's writing a God for everyone story. Mm-hmm. And if um, we are to um, embrace that story, then we just have to have the faith and trust that the change God introduces to our lives is going to um, be for us and certainly a beautiful part of that story um and you know i think another important thing too in this chapter is um just knowing that we we all know that we're that it's a good idea for us to perhaps spend time in scripture but um it's not just for our benefit that we do that although certainly that is something a byproduct of spending time with with the lord and with his son through scripture but also um i think it's We don't remember as often how much Jesus enjoys spending time with us. So when we slow ourselves down, um, when we um, have that time with him, he is actually delighted to be in our presence as well. And I think when we kind of grasp that a little more strongly, our heart is able to, again, further believe that this change is something God is using for our benefit.
3: Let's talk about the conclusion it's simply called Changed by Change. <laughs> you, you got to explain that one.
6: Yes. Well, sometimes, um, you know, sometimes... Well, sometimes change is, sometimes not changing is the change. And so I talk a little bit about that there as well, about how, you know, after living this military lifestyle where my family and I have moved every three-ish years, we are now looking to probably be settling down in Colorado Springs uh, more long term. And so that's sort of a change because, you know, I have to, um, it brings the opportunity for deeper relationships that shorter stays don't afford and all sorts of other things. But also, the nice thing is, is when you start to see change in a new light, as I have, I mean, I was one of those that really dug in my heels against it. And even though I met, married an Air Force man, and you would think, oh, well, you should have known going in um, what you were getting yourself into, I really felt like I did not all the way know. and I, And I'm sure maybe somewhere I did, but I just, you know, sometimes we just sort of hear and pay attention to what we want to hear and pay attention to. But anyway... Having come across through our marriage a different view of change, it also makes me less scared to invite change into my life, and so you know that that might look it look look like reaching out and having your neighbor over for dinner or so reaching out across the backyard fence to get to know your neighbors or reaching out across oceans and helping, you know, a family um, who's uh, involved in the refugee crisis. I mean, it's, you know, it can look in a whole in, in a, it can manifest itself in a whole variety of ways. But that's what I mean when I say changed by change.
3: Kristen, I want you to uh, explain to our listeners... Uh, what they should take uh, from your book and uh, from this discussion we've just had.
6: Oh, sure. Well, really, I think the best takeaway you can have from this book is to have a more hopeful view of change, for it to be a safe place for um, God to meet you at the intersection of your anxiety with his sense of purpose. And for it to just really shed a light on how the change, the change you are experiencing is not the end of your story. It is just a, simply a part of it. And the God who can redeem all things, who nothing is impossible for him, who can make all things beautiful, completely and totally intends to redeem your difficult change um in your life. And it's important to mention, too, this book largely deals with change that is difficult and hard for us. Because, of course, most of us don't have a problem with change that's our idea. You know, if we can be in charge of it, if we can say the who, what, when, where of it, we love change. But generally the change that's that's sort of either thrown on us or we find ourselves in the midst of that we didn't want or ask for, that is the change I am hoping to um, empower women to see in a new light.
3: Um, Before we run here, uh, I do want you to explain how our brains are actually hardwired to resist change.
6: Oh, I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. (laughs) because I always think that it's my heart that has a hard time with change, but it is our brains as well. Well, basically, your brain is made up of the three main sections. So you have the brain stem, which is the primitive and basic part of the brain. Um, it sits at the base of the skull school, school, and has two basic responsibilities, survival and threat assessment. It doesn't like change um, because it, it prefers the status quo. It is a status quo junkie. So any kind of change that enters that, it starts to set off alarm bells. And so you have then, okay, the brainstem, then you have two other parts of the brain. You have the primary parts anyway. You have the limbic system, which is in charge of our emotions and our connections. And then you have the neocortex, which determines our course of action. So when you are confronted with a change, um, the brainstem, which is, you know, that status quo junkie, it overwhelms the other two parts and tries to talk you into doing whatever you can to ease the pain that, that the change brought right here and right now. So it's kind of like the two-year-old that's screams. You know, you know, stop it, stop it, or no, no, no. It just wants you to ease the pain right now. So, you know, often we give in to that feeling, and so then, you know, if if um, we we might put off dealing with a problem that change brought, we might ignore it altogether because we don't like that feeling that it has has brought. Well, the more we we react the way this way, the more that becomes our natural thought patterns, and these thoughts run on automatic based on past experiences. So learning to react to change differently means you have to make a very, very conscious effort to step off that train and switch tracks again and again and again before your brain realizes this is a new normal response and then goes there automatically.
3: Well, we've had a great chat. By the way, before you run, uh, what are the three best things about living in Colorado Springs?
6: (laughs) I would say the near constant sunshine. We are drenched in sunshine here, and I absolutely love it. I think we have like 320-plus days of sun here. Um, You know, the mountains are gorgeous. And, oh, because I'm a nature girl and because it's fall, I would have to say the aspen trees. The yellow aspens in the summer, I just can't get enough. I'm sorry, in the fall. The yellow aspens in the fall, I cannot get enough of them.
3: Well, congratulations, Kristen, on your new book. It's been helpful. I've enjoyed our conversation. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best.
6: Oh, thank you. I've enjoyed it so much, too. Thank you for having me.
3: Kristen Strong, our guest from Colorado Springs. The book is called Girl Meets Change, Truths to Carry You Through Life's Transitions. Uh, We have a wrap-up, folks, right after this. uh, Here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950. That's WTLN uh, right here in Orlando, Florida.
2: More of the Pat
3: Williams Power
2: Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 530 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24 7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace, Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 530 Sunday on the new 94.9 9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's
3: Pat. Folks, thanks a million for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, we always enjoy this uh, doing this show for you and uh, always delighted when you plug in. Uh, Rick Johnson was our guest in the first half hour uh, talking about his book, Ten Things Great Dads Do. And then Kristen Strong from Colorado Springs, uh, talking about Girl Meets Change. Uh, that's her latest work with uh, with Ravel. Uh, my latest book is out. It's called Vince Lombardi on Leadership. Uh, we take a look at the great Packer coach through the narrow lens of leadership. Uh, go up to Amazon.com and order it. I think you'll enjoy uh, reading about Coach Lombardi and uh, all the research we did in putting that book together. In the meantime, my friends, uh, uh, have a great day in church tomorrow with your family. And uh, a wonderful week ahead here as we enjoy this beautiful fall weather here in Central Florida. And we're back next week and for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando.
2: Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950, WTLN.